At some point, you have likely come across the Bruce Lee quote, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Now, this is obviously sort of an appeal to perfectionism and that the guy who practiced this one thing becomes almost an indomitable force. But in Overwatch, there is one component that is crucial. And it is that almost the physics of the situation or the, the shape of reality switches every once in a while in the way of patches. So rules of reality have to be rewritten in that universe. While for Bruce Lee, obviously nothing about physics changed or humans didn't grow two new legs, making certain kicks very inopportune to do or whatever. So his approach sort of seems to gain or work only in a world where everything is rigid and sort of figured out in a sense, right? Now, I thought this would be an interesting situation to relate to Overwatch because we have the reality of patches and how that sort of works it out with certain teams. And I, I will say I pick two teams who I think are fairly far apart on the spectrum of pragmatism versus perfectionism because I don't necessarily think you can absolutely like point to one uh, team to say they only went after perfectionism and the, this team only went after pragmatism. I think that would be needlessly simplistic and shouldn't be used as such. But I will say that, for instance, NYXL always seemed to be a team to me that looked after the perfect Overwatch kind, that tried to sort of get it all right and have this superior execution and everything in that one strategy. Now, with Fusion, it is sort of different. And yes, it is also probably unfair to say that they didn't at all go for some sort of perfectionist idea, but they certainly also had to like sort of move with the punches this season because they had some volatility in their situation, right? With, for instance, uh, Sado not being able to play so long into the season. So let's break it down. Okay, so a pragmatic team in this, uh, for instance, one of those would be Fusion, likes volatility and uncertainty. So how is that created in Overwatch? Well, one thing is certainly patches and imposed meta changes that make certain comms less than ideal, but switch it to what's a different meta and therefore require some adaptation in some form, sometimes radical ones. And in these scenarios, this is where the pragmatic team thrives. It thrives in chaos. It grows from it. There is a term for this coined by the philosopher slash flaneur Nassim Taleb, who called it in his book, and then the book is called like that as well, anti-fragile, anti the things that gain from chaos. So it's the opposite of fragile. It's not that something breaks under pressure, it is that it gains from pressure. And that is also in context of everything else. So something that gains from chaos has to have certain things. For once, 
it le leads to have a lot of redundancy. And Talib in his book brings up, for instance, the human body that has a lot of redundancy. We, ha we have two kidneys, for instance, right? We have two lungs and certain scenarios do require that redundancy of organs in order to survive. And that is one of the mechanisms while, why certain animals or the human race was able to live this long because environments are sometimes so volatile and so unpredictable that you need more than you minimally need in order to survive and everything that doesn't have that simply dies and sort of you take its place simply by being anti-fragile in this situation. Um, so what, what does that mean? What What is a lot of redundancy in Overwatch? Well, certainly it is having a lot of players that can play off picks or that can slot into certain meta positions and then change and you can change the makeup of the team for instance like we've seen with Snello who came in out of nowhere and was able to perform very well in his role right um, and that then allowed to stick uh, Carpe onto Widowmaker right redundancy in that regard it doesn't have to be redundancy to the fullest and I think here also Valiant it has to be named because they were the team with the 12 players they didn't make much use of it though but that is possibly the case of s sort of like a rel relatively low amount of volatility in season one even though it's crazy to say but for most of season one Dive was a legitimate strategy, right? And only then in stage four was all of those notions phased out and suddenly Brigitte, uh, Brigitte's meta came and sort of gave alternatives, right? And there the chaos came into the, into the uh, equation. Now what they also need, or what a, what a pragmatic team also needs to have, is an unre restrained coaching staff meaning that they don't adhere to these perfect notions of what over what should look like what should be played like but that sort of you know take what is given to them play their hand more so than playing their ideal and try to figure out these situations also accordingly to the strength they themselves have the, the pragmatic team takes what they have, so the, the, the team, the makeup of it, and does the best with it while not necessarily trying to build the team based on notions that they, they ultimately seek. They sort of want to be anti-fragile in that regard. And while everyone is beaten down, here comes the team that doesn't take as much of a beating and grows from it in, in comparison. So one of the unorthodox things that uh, Fusion certainly did over the season was they had some really offbeat strategies where, or rather tactics, I would almost call it, where, for instance, against London Spitfire in these stage uh, semifinals, I think it was, where they were, I believe it was on Route 66, and they get a first pick or they conceded a first pick and London is already setting up again and then suddenly while then London in the rotation gives up space they re-engage with five people and based on the better usage then of the space because once again the London players were in rotation and obviously like dumbfounded at this move they lose the fight because nobody 
would have uh, um, anticipated this happening, right? And this kept happening over the the season, uh, the, the game. They create chaos, and if you can't sort of thrive in chaos, they will simply pull you down, and they will there be there with their interfragility, and they will beat you, right? Now, also, pragmatic approaches were sort of forced upon fusion because. They had Sado sitting out for three stages, obviously for the boosting allegations, and they had to make do with Fraggy. Now, the paradigm around Freddy beforehand was always that he was sort of the tank that forced a playstyle on his team. And while that may have been initially true, and we also only saw Fraggy on Reinhardt previously, or at least his Winston's performances didn't really convince us, he sort of was molded over the season sort of to be really a serviceable tank um even in the later stages when stage three for, for instance where it was still very it was sort of strange but to people that had seen fraggy perform in europe this was unthinkable to have him in this situation they sort of did the best they could with the teams they had uh, with a team they had and sort of made it work, and they were rewarded with a second place in the uh, finals, of course, right? Now, it would be lazy if you were to now simply proclaim the victory or the, the, the sort of dominance of pragmatism over perfection simply because the fusion made it to the finals, right? Because if we're being honest, if we were to compare the performance of the NYXL, for instance, to the fusion over the season, yes, you can say only playoffs matter, but at the same time, I think it's disingenuous to do as such. And I think at the very least, NYXL had an as impressive season as the fusion had, if not more so because they were the dominant team for the longest period of time, right? Then again, that is sort of like a a way like do you think only playoffs count do you not do you absolutely discount the regular season whatever i i personally can't simply say okay perfectionism lost here okay so let's let's go to perfectionism and i will make a little caveat for nyxl i think for instance pine was sort of an unrestrained wild aspect of NYXL over the season that didn't really absolutely fit into perfect Overwatch, but that sort of had the pragmatic approach, right? Now, with the rest of it, what does the perfect Overwatch team, so the team that tries to play over perfect Overwatch, what do they like? They like consistency in matters. They like it to be like half a year, complete no meta changes. They want to have the high skill skill ceiling in these comps that are played, for instance, dive. Certainly, they appreciate the nuance in it. They want it to be as rigid as possible so they can, in, through incremental changes, so small changes, get ahead of their opponents. They don't want ha paradigm shifts. They want to sort of hone their craft to arrive here, and then it's very hard to get them away from it, unless a patch obviously happens. And they sort of then more follow the uh, Bruce Lee approach with, in NYXL's case, I would argue uh, it was dive with Widow. And most of their comms were Widow dive comms over the season, right? 
So what does a perfect Overwatch team have? Well, it has certainly accuracy. So it has players that are extremely high skilled in their particular roles that know exactly what to do within that rigid system, what to do in that matter. They have an appreciation of the nuance. They know where to eke out these little percentages. They are not increasing huge bounds like in new fields. They go up just a little bit and at some point you can't even see them anymore, can you? They're just on top of the mountain. They kept climbing. They kept owning their craft. There's nothing cutting at the top off because, once again, the prerequisite is that there's a certain rigidity. The, the playing field doesn't get leveled, hopefully, for them by a patch. And that is where they thrive, right? What it also has is a vision for the end goal. So a coach, for instance, like supposedly Wizard Young was, has a vision of what perfect Overwatch looks like and then finds out about it every once in a while, a little bit more, tries to go through all avenues, looks at the statistics, looks at the items, looks, looks at the social components of his team and tries to get these small little percentages. And if you just increase 1% every day over a year, you will, at the end of the year, be 37 times better than when you started. And this is from the book uh, Atomic Habits, by the way, that recently came out. Now, that that is their desired style. And when it works, it is beautiful. It is actually the closest thing that we have in Overwatch to art forms, right? It's it's It looks so from another dimension when it works that it's really hard to topple someone. And this is also something that Unless the system changes, so unless the patch drops, this is, there is permanence in that victory, in their achievements. It's very hard to get them off, right? Because that's another thing that we learned from Atomic Habits, is that once you, if you go up slowly, it is very hard to just drop off immediately. Something radical has to happen, which it did in the case of patches, right? Now, um... There's a certain finesse that the players also have. Once again, these are all alleys where this team could sort of, you know, get these small percentages out. They like protecting the the bomb of the team, for instance. I think that's that's actually a component of a perfect team is that they, yes, they have a little bit of an adaptation towards their strength. But at the same time, I think if you ask someone from NYXL if what they were trying to do was perfect Overwatch or if it was just they were given Jonak and Jonak was so good that we, they had to create the strategy around it. I'm not sure. I think it was actually the other way around. It was, we have a vision for Overwatch, what it looks like. This guy does what we want to do. And that's also true for Mako. That's certainly true for... Uh, Mano, so then system players like Sebiolbi, for instance, this this is they they almost went for the beauty for the entire canvas, and they had that vision before the the season sort of started, and then they also had the sort of fortunate situation that most of the season the meta had some some sort of rigidity until it didn't, and then we saw the drop off, obviously. I hope I've sort of made the point of perfect Overwatch against pragmatic Overwatch. And thanks for watching.